Blog Talk Radio. Hello, this is Gigabit Nation Broadband Talk Radio. I'm your host, Craig Settles, and I'd like to thank you for taking time to be with us today as we provide useful information to help uh, public, private, and nonprofit organizations get more, better broadband everywhere it needs to be. Um, when you look at the successful community network projects, you will find that good marketing is a key factor in their success, and it often begins months before the uh, network actually launches. In Longmont, Colorado, uh, they've been marketing probably a couple of three years and stuff uh, when you talk about all the things that they have done just leading up to the, the launch of what is now their Gigabit Nation, uh, their Bigbit um, uh, network, and we wanted to have uh, some insights from from their particular project about what things have worked in marketing, uh, what things you might need to reconsider, what have you. But you know they've been going like great guns. And I asked Ron, I'm sorry, Tom Renotis, uh the general manager of Longmont Power and Communications to share some of the utilities uh, secrets for success. Uh, Tom, welcome to the show. Hi, Craig. Good to be here. Hey. So, and in fact, Tom has been on our show several years ago, and uh, we've talked about Longmont a lot, uh, both in, in the, on the show, but also whenever I talk about networks in general, because they have been fairly aggressive at... Um, not only uh, building expectations, but then managing those expectations so that you have a a smooth launch and you have lots of happy customers. So, 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 Tom, give us a little bit of background in terms of how you've, um, you know, how you've evolved to this point. Uh, You've had a couple of elections because of a referendum issue and so forth. Um, you've been through a lot, but kind of something, you know, break it down to maybe a couple of minutes of some good overview of what you've done leading up to the um, the launch of the network. Sure, Craig. Well, you know, our our project here has got a long history, and it really started back in the mid '90s. Um, we completed a f- fiber optic. Uh, ring uh, that uh, really ringed the entire city to tie our electric infrastructure and a lot of our, our city facilities together in 1997. And uh, when we installed that that infrastructure, um, we made sure that there was uh, additional fibers that uh, we knew could be available for a robust fiber to the home network. And uh, it was really a vision that the city had back in, uh, like I said, 1997, to uh, try to pursue to get that done. And initially, like most municipalities, we started out, you know, looking at the private sector, um, talking to the incumbents. Um, and, you know, once we established that the incumbents weren't interested in uh, in working with us and uh, in leveraging uh, some of this infrastructure to build this network, we went out and we ended up actually uh, signing a contract with a private partner in 2000 um, to uh, that was actually uh, going to build out at that time it was going to be a hybrid fiber coax system uh, throughout the uh, entire city 
Unfortunately, shortly after that, uh, the dot-com telecom bubble burst. Um, this company got in financial trouble uh, outside of our project uh, right after they just really began to install uh, some conduit on the south side of, of our city, and they walked away from the project. So that was sort of our initial experience uh, reaching out to the private sector. Um, of course, right after that, there wasn't too many people that were interested in investing in a project like this at that time. And shortly after that, a state law was passed here in Colorado. It was in 2005, Senate Bill 05152, which prevented um, municipalities from providing uh, this type of uh, a service, uh, either directly or in, in partnership with the private sector. So we had to overcome that and uh, with a ballot question. And we uh, we tried in 2009, and we were outspent uh, 240000 to nothing. And uh, uh, we lost that ballot question, learned a lot of lessons. After that, uh, uh, something happened called Google, Google Fiber, which uh, helped uh, us uh, sort of educate our community as to what the, the value of a fiber-based network could be, and we went back to a ballot question in 2011, and we were successful. And then after that, uh, moved forward, and today we, uh, we actually began um, offering services under our NextLight brand uh, to our community uh, in November of, of 2014. That's um, just a real quick history. Um, you know, and in terms of marketing, uh, I have to say that marketing our brand as a municipal utility started uh, at least a decade before um, we began uh, offering broadband services. Mm -hmm. So what kind of lessons can you impart to help communities understand uh, what type of pre-launch activities need to be put in, in place? Well, you know, a lot of what we what we did, we had to do to uh, overcome the 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 restrictive state law uh, through the ballot process. So, you know, part of that process is obviously educating the uh, the public around the value of a a fiber optic based high speed uh, network. And um, you know, prior to two thousand nine. Uh, when we when we lost that that ballot question in 2009, I think part of the problem was um, a lot of the the public didn't really understand what that benefits what that benefit was, what those benefits were, I should say, and and a lot of them didn't understand the technology. Um, one comment was made to me, which was kind of interesting. You know, when you talk about lessons learned, and we had put the fiber optic network in the ground, like I said, in '97. And this was 2009, where we were, uh, you know, going to the ballot, and somebody made the comment, "Well, geez, if it's technology and it's been in the ground for over a decade, it must be obsolete." So we we learned that we had to do a lot more in terms of uh, outreaching to the community, talking about what um, a network like this could bring to it, talking a little bit about the technology. We had to do a better job. Um, and like I said, the the Google Fiber announcement that really kind of fell in our lap because we sort of embraced that like a lot of cities did. And we had a little campaign to try to bring uh, Google to Longmont again, you know, reaching out to the, to the private sector first. And we, we knew that even if that campaign was unsuccessful, 
that we could leverage this campaign in, 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 in terms of what it would do to uh, educate our community about the, um, the benefits of such a network and use that to, as a follow-up for a, uh, another uh, ballot question, which we did do in, in 2011 and were successful. Interesting. Uh, you know, I've said a number of times that even though the ballot option, which there are several states that have a similar kind of restriction, that you can turn the negative into a positive because the the effort of trying to, in essence, win the ballot initiative is a great opportunity to educate and motivate communities to get behind the network. And so even though you'd rather have an easier path, in some respects, don't you kind of um, benefit by doing all those steps? You know, I mean, because I know you guys had uh, open houses type of events, uh, lots of one-on-one communica- communications with uh, heads of, uh, you know, different organizations that, that represent the, the, the cities or the business uh, area and so forth. All of those together helped give you, I, at least I think, now you tell me, but I, it seems like that gave you a good, um, a deep, actually, uh, start to get your what eventually becomes the marketing campaign that we sort of see as the you know the the end product. Really, it's all the foundation that happens before then. Yes. No, I I I agree with you. Um, you know, as a matter of fact, I you know there, there are other cities in Colorado that are contemplating um, ballot questions of their own today, and, and and one of the things I tell them is that the benefit you're going to get from that is that. Number one, you do you do have the opportunity to get out there and educate folks, and and I I think that effort probably isn't as as big of a step today that as it was in 2009, primarily because of the success we're having here that people are aware of. Uh, Google Fiber, you know, has been out and about for several years, and a lot of people are aware of of these types of networks. But um, you know, it and, and it gives you an ability to gauge the support of your community prior to you spending uh, money on uh, on feasibility studies and making the decision to uh, uh, provide a service like this. So you're absolutely right. I mean, in, in retrospect, it, it, it did help us. Um, the second election, um, you know, I mentioned that the first time we were defeated and the uh, opponents spent, uh, like I said, around $240,000. Um, the second election, they spent over four hundred thousand um, dollars, and and they were defeated. Our ballot question was successful, and what happened during the campaign, I think, was people began to see through a lot of misinformation, and it and and I think it turned people sour to uh, to some of the incumbent providers, uh, you know, with the tactics that were used. Um, the the amount of money that was being poured into the campaign from outside the city, I think, was an indication to folks that you know, to, you know there's caution. You know, you've got a lot of people investing money into a, into our city's election that are that are from the outside, and do we really believe that they have our best interest in mind? And I think that began began to be sort of a negative towards the opposition as well. 
So, um, you know, not only did it give us an opportunity to um, educate the, the public about the benefits, but um, I, I think because of the tactics of the opposition, it actually uh, it, it, it actually turned against them. And uh, there was a lot of negative public sentiment, which turns into uh, uh, positives for, you know, you know, us selling our new service. Um, and that's one of the things that I think was a surprise to me was was the extent of dislike uh, for the incumbents. Um, and, and that's beginning to come out, in, in, and I'm hearing it from people who are, are trying to subscribe to our service as quickly as they can. And I think part of it had to do with that, uh, that campaign. The interesting thing about that, though, is that since 2011, um, uh, other cities, even boulders, have their own um, election, and there has been no significant organized opposition to those ballot questions. And I think in part, as maybe uh, the folks that were likely, you know, probably incumbent providers that would oppose um, this sort of thing, maybe learn their lesson here. That's a definite possibility. I mean, it takes... Um uh, maybe it takes a little bit of persuading at the ballot box to in to help the incumbents understand where they really stand. I mean, I think that you know when we see the size number of articles out about how people are dissatisfied with with the cable companies and then also the telecom companies, um, I think that there is a deep Sentiment that has uh, a certain marketing force to it, in a sense, and because aren't you able to, in essence, leverage that discontent to turn um, positive marketing messages when you're actually dealing with the the process of of marketing the network. No, I agree. I mean, and, and it is the extent of that discontent that, that is, I think surprised a lot of us. We had somebody tell us two weeks ago uh, that uh, they're, they're just, they were just, they, that their particular neighborhood just signed up for our next light service because um, it just became available there. And they were actually having a block party um, to celebrate um, being able to leave Comcast. <laughs> I think they call it a. I, they said they call it a death to Comcast party or something like that. And when I hear those things, I, it, it, it does surprise me. It really does. I, I, I probably was not aware of how deep some of the discontent was. And, and, you know, we don't actively address that, obviously. We're, we're selling the benefits of the service that we provide. Um, but, I mean, there's no denying that uh, that discontent uh, is contributing to uh, part partially to our success, mm-hmm. and and that's I you know I think that's a fair um, strategy. I mean I think that um, I would say that from the other communities that I've talked to, the the uh, tactic tends to be we can market the you know the fact that we're local that we're part of you know the community that we create. Um, you know, our our our, our lo- workforce is local. You know, so they're local, um, and that those messages resonate. So you don't really have to attack the incumbents. You just have to basically talk about 
the things that they're not. And then that way you're able to get uh, a decent amount of leverage and getting getting your your message out to to the um the community. Right. And and I think earlier I mentioned that I think our marketing effort began, you know, a decade decade and a half prior to us offering broadband service because we I'm the general manager of the um the municipal electric and telecom utility. So we've had this electric utility here uh, since 1912, um, and and over over ten years ago, we really started a campaign to really educate the public about the benefits that they've uh, received from uh, owning our not-for-profit, community-owned um, uh, electric utility. And some of those benefits are, you know, uh, we've got some of the most reliable electricity in the in the area. We have some of the lowest rates in the state of Colorado and, and actually in the nation. And um, I think that got some traction over the years. And that, I think that lays the groundwork. You build trust in the community. The community trusted us. We've been here for, like I said, over 100 years now. And and they're happy with the service that, uh, that we've provided uh, for, for quite a while. And so you leverage that into marketing your broadband service. And those are exactly the, the kinds of things we talk about. We talk about the fact that this is your community-owned broadband network. That um, by you know the money you spend by investing in uh, by by subscribing to your service, you're investing in your own community. And uh, and and that I think that that is a very strong message, and and it, it helps us considerably. And then you you add on to the fact that we're providing. The fastest broadband in the nation at the lowest price, and essentially you've got a uh, you've got a real winner, and mm-hmm. I, I think it's a, it's a very attractive package. That's uh, definitely a, a plus there, no doubt about it. Um, to speak for a second on the the politics of all, because clearly you guys were steeped in the the political drama. In terms of you know how you've kind of your UV raw golf, and um, but in reality, aren't a lot of the local um, politicians uh, very much in favor of, of broadband, even public-owned broadband? Yes, the the real interesting thing and the really cool thing about our 2011 election in particular, was the fact that, you know, there were a lot of issues that were, uh, you know, disputed in the community. And, of course, you have your, you know, even though a city election is supposed to be nonpartisan, there's definitely definitely partisanship in there. And we had 100% bipartisan support for our ballot question. Um, And that is amongst uh, incumbent um, folks, you know, uh, uh, in our city council. It was with uh, folks who were uh, um, um, running for uh, new positions because the ballot question was on a regular November election, so there were a lot of issues, including uh, a vote for mayor and uh, and uh, a few council member positions. But we had locally um, uh, darn near 100% support, and most of the organized opposition was generated from from outside the community, and that I think began to be be obvious. Now that's not saying that we didn't have, 
you know, people in the community that voted against it. Obviously, we did, and people that you know that didn't believe in it. But um, but uh, the the folks that actually campaigned and the money spent to uh, to oppose it, uh, pretty much a hundred percent percent of that came from outside the city. Mm-hmm. And it really and- began to be. It, it almost began to be as much about local control uh, than it was about broadband. I think people began to really sense that you know there there, there seems to be outside. Uh, forces trying to control the local election, and there was a lot of resentment about that as well. So I think that that helped us as well in that ballot campaign. Right, and I think that um, you know, as as other cities are contemplating this whole thing, what I find is that a fair number of uh, communities, their local politicians. You know, however they may be divided by certain, you know, issues and and so forth, that broadband, especially when we're talking about rural communities where they need, you know, this this technology, um, it it doesn't seem like a whole lot of divide that happens there, I think, at the local level. Where we have the problem is at the state level, and, you know, and you have to kind of, I think when you're developing your overall marketing plan, there has to be some element or part of your plan that uh, that addresses the legislature one way or another. I mean, I, I don't know, but I, but I would think that you know, in um, in 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 Colorado, that there has to be some number of folks who are trying to lobby. To get legislators, if not on their side, at least be neutral about the issue. But I don't know what. How, how do you sort of see the the politics taking place in Colorado? Well, and, and you know, uh, having said we had 100% bipartisan support with everybody, both incumbents and um, you know, on on the, the city council and the uh, folks running, that didn't that didn't happen by accident. I had one on ones with probably every one of those folks really explaining what this was about. So you gotta put some effort into it. You gotta you gotta educate your elected officials and, and those who may be running for office in this case, you know, during that particular ballot question or the election process. And then we had grassroots groups that got out and did a lot of educating. So I mean that that doesn't just happen. You've got to put you've got to put uh, put some effort into that. And it really is just educating folks. Um in terms of the state, um, I think there's a lot of, uh, you know, we're, we're fortunate, I guess, in Colorado that, you know, we do have a, a, a ballot question option. Um, that was something that wasn't initially in the legislation, but I think it got added later. Um, so, in other words, instead of having an all-out uh, uh, restriction, um, you know, we're rest- they restricted us in 2005 with the caveat that if you were to have a successful local election, um um, you can you can reestablish that right, um, and I, I think a lot of folks thought, well, you know, that, that that's all fair. But you know, one of one of the things that we found out was kind of difficult is that, you know, b- based on campaign state financing laws, we're probably they're probably similar in other states. Well, if a municipality has an item on the on the uh, on the ballot, they can't spend a dime or they can't campaign for it. Um, your opposition can spend anything they want, and they can say anything they want, and, and our opposition certainly did. So, in a sense, uh, you know, uh, a municipality 
facing those kinds of campaign laws is at a big disadvantage um, in a uh, in an election or like that. And so what we had to do and, uh, is make sure that we did all our sort of campaigning, but it's really educating people about the issues prior, prior to it uh, being placed on the ballot, because once it's officially on the ballot, you can no longer promote it. And um, so we had to put a lot of work up, up front. At the state level, I think a lot of people, there's been a lot of discussion, uh, you know, about trying to overturn the state law. I know there's a lot of concern about uh, the amount of money and the amount of lobbyists that uh, incumbent uh, broadband providers uh, have in place uh, at, at the state level. And I think there's some concern about the ability to be successful. And uh, so as far as I know, uh, other than discussion here locally in Colorado to maybe uh, make some tweaks to the law, because the law here, there's a lot of unintended consequences of this law. I mean, not only can a, can't a uh, municipality provide service like we're doing uh, here in Longmont without a, a, a ballot question, but it actually prevents a city from providing free Wi-Fi in their library. They're technically in, in violation of that state law. So I don't think any of the incumbents that pushed the legislation meant for that to be. And so um, there's been some discussion about, well, maybe an effort to change some of those aspects of that law. But there hasn't been a group that's actually decided they were going to go ahead and try to overturn it, as far as I know. Mm-hmm. So now looking at... Um you know the the relationships that were built as a result of the uh, the ballot initiatives and so forth. If you look at um, consensus building, I'm assuming that you guys have, even though you have a hundred thousand people roughly, that um, there are a lot of you know call it subsectors of the community where they see the, the net being valuable for very different reasons. How do you build a certain a level of consensus that gets people all pulling in the same direction? Well, you know, um, once we once the ballot question was successful, there's a lot of steps that have to go in have to be put in place prior to you ever offering service like this and um you know as a municipality when we discuss uh projects of this magnitude and projects where we're going to have to go out and bond for money um there's a lot of discussion that's done in in a public setting you know um in an open public setting that everybody gets to participate in and i think um, uh, doing your due diligence and, 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 and hire, and you know, we hired uh, consultants to come in from the industry and and do a very broad-based, very detailed um, study of of the situation, feasibility study, which included um, statistically valid surveys of the community regarding, you know, what they would like, what they'd be willing to pay for. You know, there's the, the whole questions of you know, what do you provide? Do you provide cable TV? Do you provide Internet? Do you provide phone service? Um, and uh, you get that data back, and, and and that information is discussed, like I said, in a public setting, and and, um, and decisions are made by city council. Uh, people are, have the opportunity to get up and speak.
speak in public, invited to be heard, um, like they do in most cities. They can talk to their elected officials. By the time you make the decision to move forward, you've you've vetted a lot of uh, a lot of the details. People that are really interested or concerned have had a lot of opportunity to hear the pros and cons, the challenges, the benefits. And uh, I think that the process itself goes a long way in uh, in really getting the community to uh, agree and embrace and, and help you move forward with the project. Mm-hmm. That's uh, definitely a um, uh, a plus that I think other communities need to understand. That um, if you look back to say tw- uh, 2005, there was a lot of uh, activity around Muni Wi-Fi, and lots and lots of mayors and city council folks and so forth came to the charge, right? But I think that what didn't happen was a combination of um, cons- a consensus about what the community really wants to do with this technology, and then married with that, you know, what the limits and the possibilities of the various technologies are so that you can make better decisions based on, you know, what your technology can do, but also what it is that people want or want that, that need, that what they need to have done. Is that, that correct from your perspective? Yeah, and like I said, the uh, the 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 process that you, we go through, you know, uh, which is all, all in, in the public, goes a long way with uh, uh towards educating people about your options your 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 technological options your business model options um and pros and cons and, and and if people are paying attention they know exactly you know why uh you've made the decision to do what you're what you're going to do mm-hmm. do you think that um having built an infrastructure uh to facilitate the Utilities, the utilities efforts made a difference because, uh, for example, in some cities, they look on the fact that they have built a network to to facilitate making the uh, utility work better or to make city government work better. Gives a certain amount of comfort level that people say, "Well, the, the utility knows what to, to do." Because they've been doing or dealing with the technology for so long that we feel we we trust we trust them. Oh yes, yeah, yes, and there was a lot of discussion about that here in Longmont as well. Um, uh, you know, and it and it really goes beyond um, the fiber optic uh, loop that we put uh, in place. Uh, I mean that that is something that we always talked about the fact that we wanted to leverage a. Uh, piece of infrastructure that the community already invested in and we want to leverage it for their benefit. And um but the communities that have municipal, particularly municipal electric utilities, have an advantage um uh, for a lot of other reasons. And you know, if you think about what's actually required to provide a service like this, a lot of what's required we're already doing, we've been doing for a long time. Um, you know, we, we could say we've, we've actually managed a fiber optic network. We did. We've been managing it since, uh, you know, 1997 uh, for our own needs. But, 
But, you know, the majority of constructing and, and, and building outside plant for a, a service like this is establishing underground pathways with, you know, directional boring, missile, missling, trenching, micro-trenching, putting conduit in the ground, right, pulling cable through the conduit, um, hooking things up on both ends. Well, that's exactly what we do as an electric utility. And then you add the, the customer care piece, um, you know, responding quickly to trouble, uh, the customer's needs, uh, having, you know, people that can understand and handle billing. Um, these are things we do in an electric utility. And uh-huh. these are things that the community has already invested in, that we have a and we've established a reputation of doing it well for a long time, and uh, we we talk quite a bit about um, we're able to leverage that resources that the community's already invested in to bring them additional benefits, and I think it was huge. It's a huge message. Mm-hmm. And I think you know I, I want to make the point for the audience. You know we're asking we're talking about you know political issues and. Um, you know, consensus and so forth. And I think some people may thinking may be thinking about, well, the the billboards and the ads and you know, that's what marketing is. But I think when we're talking about um community networks, all all of these activities of consensus building, uh dealing with the political uh friends of your community, um all of these folks or all these activities are actually part of the marketing effort, even though we haven't even begun to talk about just you know like ads and, and that kind of thing. But it's like it's like political you know, PR activities. Um it's um you know, building a certain amount of uh loyalty uh on, you know, where cities are saying, you know, this is our key asset. And we take a certain amount of pride in that, and so it's that you know we got to look at this thing not just into the um, the the glitz of marketing, but also lots of the you know boring stuff. But it plays a role on your ability to market effectively. Am I correct? You're absolutely right. Absolutely right. Um, you know, it 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 really gets back to to what. You know, people talk about government. Should government should government be doing this versus private sector? And and people want to lump municipal government in the same boat as state government, and the state in the same boat as is the federal government. You know, I spent you know um, almost 25 years in the private sector before I came over here to manage this municipal electric utility, and and I've learned a lot about the, the differences. And you know the bottom line is is that you know your your municipal government is it, this is your community. These are people that live in and work in your community. The decisions they make are very locally focused. You know, decisions made in Washington may not necessarily be in your in your benefit. But the closer you get to the community through municipal government, it really is a community, and it's a and and, and the decisions we make are for the benefit of Longmont. Um, and and people are involved, and you know we're not like I said we're about ninety thousand population. It's not a small city, um, but you know. It, but I think people f- really began to feel part of the part of this community and part of this project when we began to have the discussions, uh, you know, about whether we should or should not 
um, invest in this infrastructure and move forward with the project. And it and 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 you're right. We never thought of it um, as a purely marketing campaign, but it certainly was a campaign, and it and it and it is extremely effective in energizing your community and making them feel like they truly do own the utility and and and, and own the project because in fact they do. Mm-hmm. So let's let's uh, swing a little, uh, um, move a little bit to the uh, subject of building uh, expectations. You know, a lot of what a marketing campaign does is it builds people's expectations for the launch of the network, and then the network is you know a, an ongoing process. But um, let's talk a little bit about how you manage your expectations, because that has a lot to do with, you know, the overall success that people feel like, well, this is this is moving in the right direction. Sure. Well, we, we talked about for a long time the ability to provide, you know, gigabit speeds versus, you know, what they currently have access to. And when we talk about gigabit speeds, we're talking about, download speeds as well as upload speeds. And, you know, I think a lot of people got very excited about um, the, the, the the capability of a fiber-based uh, broadband network, uh, you know, just from, from those conversations. And we talked a lot about the fact that we think we could provide those types of speeds and, and beyond um, to uh, even our business community and, uh, and, and, and be able to provide them at rates that are, uh, competitive and, and, and usually lower than uh, uh, what's what they're paying some of the incumbent providers for much slower speeds. And so there was a lot of talk about you know what um, what that type of network could do to improve the competitiveness of local businesses to differentiate Longmont from other cities uh, within the state within the nation and uh, what it could do to strengthen our uh, our, our our economic development efforts. Um, there's a lot of talk about what we could do to improve education and, and the quality of life. And I think that you know those are the s- sorts of discussions, the what ifs, and uh, and, uh, and you know that really I think generated a lot of excitement uh, for the project uh, pretty early on. And mm-hmm. um, I you know and, and as far as what we've delivered, I don't know if if you knew this, but You've probably heard of Ookla or the speedtest.net. You've heard oh, yeah, you know, yeah. about I heard that about site? Oh, yeah, We released about this. Yeah, yeah. So you go to that site and you do a speed test. It tells you how fast your Internet connection is. Well, the really cool thing about that site is that they, they keep data on all those speed tests throughout the world. And we were working with uh, an Ookla engineer oh, about a month ago uh, to establish a Nextlight um, speed test server because part of the problem is when you when you're providing a uh, a gigabit uh, symmetrical a thousand megabits down and up, a lot of speed test servers can't measure that speed, and we needed to have a speed test server that was capable of measuring that speed so that our customers who have access to that speed can begin to uh, optimize their own home equipment. As it turns out, when you got a gigabit and you're running a speed test, you're really not testing the speed of your service. You're really testing the speed of your equipment and uh, the limitations of a lot of your equipment cabling. And a lot of folks, once they get this service, they want to be able to to optimize. And so uh, 
we wanted to set up that server for them to do that. Well, the, the UCLA engineer said, have you guys seen what you're doing? And we said, no. And he told us about the data. And uh, sure enough, they actually show the, the average download speeds for each city, you know, in the state of Colorado, in the United States, or even in the world. And then you can get data on ISPs. Well, what, what, what was exciting was that we saw that Longmont was not only the fastest city in Colorado already uh, with average download speeds, but we were twice as fast as the, as the next fastest city. And our ISP, uh, under, the, under the heading Longmont Power and Communications, which is the name of our utility, was the number one fastest rated ISP in Colorado by a very wide margin. And when we went to the national picture, what we now know is that according to the UCLA data, Longmont Power and Communications Next Light Broadband Service is the fastest ISP in the nation, even faster than Google. Um, now, you don't have to hesitate for a second to think that we're not going to use that <laughs> for a marketing campaign. And, you know, because, I mean, quite literally, we're, we're able to put Longmont on the map when it comes to high-speed connectivity. And, and, and those are the types of things that, you know, I think really get people excited here. Um, I know that there are people that actually use that type of data to decide, you know, where they might want to locate a, an Internet or, uh, you know, a network-intensive business. And uh, I know our Longmont Area Economic Council is excited about um, being able to, you know, brag about that. It's certainly bragging rights. And so, I mean, and we knew that, you know, um, there are a lot of cities that have done this. And we haven't talked a little bit about our, our, our pricing uh, strategy, which really gets into marketing. But I think based on the way we're, we're doing this, by the time we're done with the build, I think we'll probably most likely have the highest percentage of our population hooked to a gigabit service in any other city in the country. And um, that's going to definitely impact our city's average uh, speeds and, of course, our, our ISP's average speeds as well. So those are the exciting things we're doing today. Um, a lot of people are getting even more excited about it after we've rolled it out than they were before we, we started the project. Okay. So that, well, let's like to take a look at uh, some of the traditional aspects of marketing, and I'm sure a couple people will want to know about that. What kinds of um, marketing or Marcom activities have you found to be uh, effective? Well, we're primarily focused. See, one of the one of the problems we have is that you know right now today we're only ten percent deployed in terms of the you know the the rollout. You know, we okay. really just got started, and this is a fairly large city. We have to build facilities in in the backyards of you know around thirty eight thousand, thirty nine thousand residents and businesses. And uh, we have a pretty aggressive schedule. We want to be able to complete this uh, by the end of 2016, and we'll probably continue to be um, signing uh, new customers up into 2017 and beyond. But, um, um, you know, it's uh, – I think I lost my train of thought here. <laughs> um, you know, we, we've got we've got a very, very aggressive schedule. And um, what was your question again? I think I lost my train of thought. Sorry. The, you know, what are the key things that you are finding 
will be successful even though you have limitations obviously because you haven't finished Oh yeah yeah out. yeah so so yeah so the the, the problem is is that um doing broad marketing throughout the city it, it it gets expectations up but the but the fact of the matter is the service isn't available yet in mm-hmm. the majority of our community and one of the things that that's surprising to me is that as soon as you decide to do it then the big issue is I want it and I want it now and it's not getting here fast enough right so right. we have to be very careful with um you know building expectations in areas that we're not going to be to be, be or be available with the service, you know, for a year and a half. So what we what we try to do is we we, we lightly put uh you know we we put some ads in the paper and and we talk about there's been newspaper articles that talk about the service and we and for example um, you know bragging about we've got the fastest internet service now in the country, but our our marketing has been very focused marketing and we're focusing it in the in the areas as we launch them, and we do that with a personal letter and a packet. Well, actually, the marketing effort starts with the build and with our contractor going out and putting door hangers on and saying, you know, next light's coming, um, we're going to be here, and, you know, you're going to begin to see mark and locate flags, and then there's going to be some construction activity. Um, and then once that area is, is constructed and it's approved and, uh, uh, and we're ready to provide service, then they get a, uh, they get a letter. Um, uh, that talks about our pricing and some of our pricing strategies, a little packet, and they'll get multiple packets within that area. So the bulk focus has been on uh, uh, very focused uh, uh, launch areas, one at a time, and not so much uh, a citywide uh, marketing effort. Okay. And and I would say that that's a reasonable uh, option. Uh, we had a sh- ago, um, yes, yesterday talking about, um, you know, using this phased-in approach with the build-out, right? They're 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 doing it. For, they're trying to do uh, four areas of their city, um, and they're a smaller community by than than Longmont. Um, you got I think do was not as eight or uh, no, we've got yeah we. we We've established six, uh, six phases in the build, ah, okay. and, and you know, yeah, and you know, primarily we're we're building it out geographically from the head end. It's the most efficient way to do it, and we're building through the community and dividing it up into six phases just helps us uh, to uh, communicate to the community, you know, regarding where we think we're going to be within those phases and at what dates. Um, but uh, yeah, we do, we do have a phased approach as well. Mm-hmm. Now, do you guys have um, a way to um, maybe I'm gonna call it like I might be calling it uh, uh, building or bottling word of mouth because that you know my neighbor saying oh I just got this nurse service or I find that I'm in some you know broad broadband uh, group. Um, you know, we expect to have, you know, this happen with our network and so forth, that um, so in some cases the communities will, like, I don't know, use um, Facebook or Twitter or some way oh, yeah. in which they can kind of take the, the energy of the word of mouth and letting that kind of propagate itself 
throughout the community. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's a good point. There is a lot of social media activity, um, you know, uh, that occurs. You know, people are excited. I mean, and I mean, the bottom line is that you know we're providing. You know, they, the incumbents can't compete with the type of speeds that we're providing in the costs that we're providing them for. So we've, we've got a we've got a service that really sells itself when people really begin to understand it. Um, but but then the bottom line is we deliver it. I mean, and so that get it are for the most part ecstatic about the speed, and they're talking. They talk to neighbors. There's, like I said, there's a lot of lot of uh, posts and, and discussions on Twitter and Facebook, and, and uh, of course we monitor those as well and and answer questions when needed, and and that does help. We also are having a little little campaign where people sign up, and we do we we go and we do a, a partial premise, uh, the outside uh, um, service drop work. We'll put a little uh, yard sign in and saying that you know next light is is a. Uh, I'm getting next light service here, and then of course when we do the uh, the inside install, we'll go ahead and remove that sign. But that that sign might be there for a few days or, or a week or so, and uh, that generates some excitement locally as well. Mm-hmm. So, and and the um, yeah, I, I can never emphasize enough the managing of expectations. You know, it's like you've got to uh, on one hand you got to drive the expectation, but on the other you got to kind of dial back sometimes and uh and I think it sounds like you know you guys have done a good job of managing expectations and um and I think that's a big thing on a lot of people's plates is how we are how are we going to do that that dance between the between the two which you know it, which which is good which is good um how do you plan to uh keep the momentum going say uh, you know a year from now because you'll still have a decent number of the community will not be built out yet and at the same time some people might be saying well we're we're still waiting i mean do you do you have any kind of idea for how you might do that that dance that dance down the road well, I think, quite frankly, I think the more people that get the service and the more that they're talking, it's building um, excitement. And uh, one thing we didn't talk about was our pricing strategy. And mm-hmm. I, I think it's important to, to talk about it because I don't think anybody's done anything like this before. And I think it's been very successful for us. We knew going into this that in spite of you know the fact that we were providing just the fastest broadband speeds here in the state and in in, in the country, that, you know, there are people that will procrastinate. We also know that the incumbents weren't going to sit back and and let you, you know, eat into their market share without, you know, um, fighting, without without doing, uh, you know, providing some special deals, trying to lock people into long-term contracts. So we needed to to create a pricing uh, strategy that, that provided a powerful incentive for people to subscribe early. I mean, you know, once we made the investment in, in, in these neighborhoods, we wanted folks to invest in us and not wait for a year or two to decide, uh, you know, maybe i get through this nice contract with Comcast and then come back later. So what we did is we created a, um, a, a, a pricing, um, what we call it a um, uh, charter membership program. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, what a charter member is is, right, somebody that's there from the beginning. And when we want people to be here from the beginning. We want to reward them. And the way it works is that um, if you subscribe to our service and you've got three months to do it from the time that it's uh, it's made available and that – and that's announced, that date and that deadline is given to you in that, in that first packet, that letter that you get from us that says that the service is available. You're able to get um, what we call a charter membership price, and that's a gig symmetrical for $49.95. Now, oh, you know as well as I do, yeah. Google's charging, what, 70 bucks for that. I believe that's the lowest price gig in the country. I'm not aware of anybody that that has it for, for less. But that charter membership price is only available for three months. We also have a um, a 25-meg symmetrical, and that's $10 cheaper, $39.95. For somebody who wants to save 10 bucks and 25 megs, fine. But you can get a gig for $49.95. Um, what we're saying is our, our regular price for a gig after that charter membership is over, it's $100 a month for the first year, but then we'll give them a customer loyalty discount, and that price will drop to $59.95 or, or $10 more than the, than the uh, charter membership price, and, it's still ten, and that's, that price is $10 less than Google. So if you, if you really take a look at what we did, we're providing a very powerful incentive for people to take that gig deal and to take it quickly. And um, to give you an example of how well it's worked, according uh, to our performa, for us to reach our financial targets, we wanted to see a 30, we needed to see a 37% take rate by the end of year five. What we're seeing with this pricing scheme is at the end of that first three months, market cycle, within our initial launch area, we saw 45% take rate right out of the chute. And we're seeing similar take rates between 40 and 50% in the subsequent areas. And so that's a really great thing. It created a little bit of a, quite a bit of a logistics problem for us. We weren't prepared for that kind of demand. So we had to double our installation teams, plus bring in a contractor to help us with uh, the premise installs, um, but um, I think I think that uh, that pricing scheme. By the way, that that forty nine ninety five for a gig. That's not an introductory price. That is their price, but uh-huh. they have three months to be able to obtain that charter member price, and I think it's been very successful. No, it's it's definitely uh, aggressive approach, which you know we only have about five minutes. So to wrap it up, though, what kind of uh, how do I do this? What do you think your biggest competitive threat's going to be, and how are you going to match that or meet it? Well, that's a good question. I mean, right now we're. You know we're we're really crushing the competition right now. I mean we were offering a service that's better at a lower price, and uh, and there's a lot of other benefits to that as well. Um, one of the things that I think we uh, that we didn't anticipate was, um, and I think Google's had some of the same issues was the difficulty it has been to 
get ac- uh, access agreements uh, in, in multi-dwelling units and in some of the business uh, in some of the businesses as well. For example, you could talk to a business owner and he's excited about the service, but if he doesn't own the building, you've got to go get an access agreement with the building owner. And of course, there's a lot of issues uh, there. Uh, Comcast has been uh, a very aggressive at trying to go out and lock, particularly multi-dwelling residential units, up into contracts. Um, and are at least leaving them with the impression that um, these are exclusive agreements. What we're finding is that uh, usually they're not exclusive agreements, and in fact, we think, um, and I know we've got some attorneys still looking into it, but we think that exclusive agreements are not legal, and that oh. some of the um, the new rulings that are being proposed by the FCC, you know, in terms of making broadband a uh, telecom utility will reinforce that um but you know right now we're fine you know for example comcast could go out and offer a multi-dwelling unit thirty thousand dollars to sign a contract um and, and leaving them with the impression it's an exclusive we, we've actually had that happen here a few times mm-hmm. um so that's an that's been a challenge um i think it's not it's not something that you can't overcome but um, you know the the real competitive, and I guess I, I also have to have to say that uh, we haven't seen some of the tactics that uh, we've heard were used, like in in Lafayette, Louisiana, and Chattanooga, Tennessee, and some of the other areas that have done these uh, these deployments in terms of you know law, uh, harassing lawsuits and that sort of thing. We haven't seen that from the incumbents. Uh, they, they are in fact um, competing on. On being aggressive in, in pricing and service. In fact, um, November, uh, the same within the same week that we began offering our uh, gigabit service here in Longmont, um, Comcast announced that they were going to double the speeds of all their customers in the state of Colorado for no additional cost. Mm-hmm. Now that could could be a coincidence, um, <laughs> but y- you know. Uh, a lot of cities have said they've seen the same thing, that when they finally made the decision to uh, provide this type of a service, that the incumbents have stepped their game up. And uh, I think we're seeing that here here in uh, in Longmont. I think the, the consumer ultimately wins. But I think that we've got a... Uh, We've got a business plan. We, we've got a technology. We've selected a technology in the right business model where um, I feel comfortable that we're going to be able to uh, uh, compete in uh, what is now becoming, thanks to our entry, a, a competitive uh, uh, business. Excellent. And now we're out, unfortunately out of time, but uh, uh, Tom, it's been a pleasure catching up with you and finding out what you guys have gone through and also things were you know just starting to blossom for uh the uh the community so i my hat's off to you and i think it's just great moving everything forward um thanks a lot for your time it's much appreciated well, it's been my pleasure craig thanks for uh for getting a hold of me no worries no worries and uh to our audience thank you as well for being with us today and uh, we hope that we'll be out soon with some more good stuff and how uh, to make broadband even more impressive than what it already is. Um, Thank you again, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye.